now for something special. The unit is self-contained with its own saddler, farrier, wheelwright, and so on. It's a rigorous training dished on who know all there is to know about horses, and it brings results. We take you behind the scenes now to show just some of the interesting aspects of this training. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the number one podcast to create sounder horses from the ground up. Mike Stein is a registered journeyman farrier with an APF1 accreditation. On this week's show, talking terminology, what is meant by sensitive and insensitive structure of a hoof. Also, Mike went over some hoof cracks and components and why is conditioning of the SI joint area so important. All this and much, much more we discussed here on Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. And over to my far inside is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good, Travis. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You look good. Your hair looks good. You you got a nice color to your face. That's because you've got the lights and your vision's bad. <laughs> yeah, bad lights. Good lighting, bad vision. I think that's uh, works out in our favor on this one. So, anything exciting happened to you this week, Mike? Anything? I don't know that anything that big happened. It was routine work. Is, always something, you know. But Is no excitement good news or bad news or you're just anticipating for that? What's going to happen? Around the corner. Yes. Something good happened this week. My wife and as you know, rides dressage, and she works with Brett Ingram, who's her trainer, and, yes. and we have a horse, Diego. He's four years old. He's a gelding. He's out off property during the wintertime because our arena gets kind of mushy and stuff. She goes out to a covered arena, and something that she is doing alongside with Brett is a system called PIVO. Are you familiar with PIVO? PIVO. PIVO. Who's PIVO? P-I-V-O, I believe is what it is. Right. And what it is, it's a robot like our tripods here. Right. You set it up in the middle of the arena, and it's got a robot, or a robot, a motor on the top of the tripod, hooks to your camera, and then there's an app that's on your camera, and it works with the motor, and the phone will actually follow you around, physically, automatically zoom in and zoom out on you as you're riding the horse. Hmm. And you're like, well, well, that why can't the trainer just sit there and videotape you? Because the, the trainer doesn't have time to sit there and physically zoom in and zoom out. So it takes the camera and moves it further towards him and further back. No, it doesn't move, move. It. Well, that's how I zoomed in and zoomed out. <laughs> you just walk closer to the person and right, further yes. away? No, it, it physically uses the app and uses the lenses of the camera to zoom in and zoom out and always keep the horse in a, a good perspective range or an aspect of range in the camera frame. Right. The good thing about this is because she can be connected to online and Brett, for whatever reason, let's say Brett's at home, he's got, you know, he's watching the kids that day, but he has a lesson. He can go to his computer and watch what Amy's doing on his computer and physically talk to her via Bluetooth device in real time and critique her lesson while Brett's sitting on the couch eating bonbons or something like that. Hmm. So it's it's an online. I mean, there's a lot more that I this saw thing. bread at the bonbon store. <laughs> He's getting his favorite flavor over there. Yes, but it it's this new thing. I say it's new thing. It's new to us. My wife has gotten to the point where right. she needs to watch her level is is getting up and up and up, and she wants to see more videos of her riding this million dollar horse that we bought. You know, Diego. Well, it's going to cost you that much, yes. But the great thing is, she can be in an arena by herself or without a trainer being there. Right, and the trainer can be at home or somewhere else and give her directions through the Bluetooth device on, you know, all right, sit back, sit forward, relax on the reins, heels down, mm. <laughs> starboard end, I don't know the, what the terminology is, <laughs> full right rudder. <laughs> yeah, full right rudder, yeah, there you go, that's all you need. Now, you could probably use something like this as well. Now, I don't know if it would follow you around, if there's a setting on it to follow a human around, 
right now it's setting up for a horse. Right. And we were playing with it in the, the dining room when we first got it. Mm. Amy's walking around it in the, in the dining room area and it wasn't following her. I don't know. It follow you. <laughs> You saying I'm as big as a horse? I wasn't trying to say that. I was saying that. No. But it was it was looking. I think the setting that it was on, it was looking for a horse. Right. So I don't know if that was if there's a setting to follow a, a human. Yeah, I don't know. But that would be something that you might be able to use if you were doing your online clinics. Let's say for right. example, that's where I'm kind of getting with this online clinics, and you can physically do. Put this pivo up, and it would follow you. Like if you're taking to the left, you know, walking to the left, walking to the right. Now, right. of course, if you walk all the way around the horse, the camera stationary, you would have to physically pick up the tripod and move it to the area. Put that it you, on top of a remote control car, or or you could get one of those drones, those little mini drones, and just have fly it, it around. fly it around you. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm a sure the, like a horse fly. Yeah, the horse would love that. <laughs> I'm sure, skedaddle right out of the barn. All right, guys, we got a big show to get into. Lots to talk about. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back. Many equine businesses are not taking full advantage of the digital space to reach new customers and build relationships. Hey, this is Travis, the host of Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, and let me tell you something about SteadfastTalents.com. They have over 15 years' experience in the digital marketing field and understands the unique nature of the equine industry. Crystal over at SteadfastTalents.com can help you stand out from your competitors and help them grow, expand your business. If you need help setting up your digital presence, go over to Steadfast-Talents.com and request a free competitor's analysis. Crystal will do everything from there. That's Steadfast-Talents.com and tell them Travis and Mike sent you. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He was the official fairer of the 2018 World Equestrian Games. And if you'd like to ask Mike Stein anytime a question, uh, we'll read it right here on the air. Go to equinedynamics.com. Fill out that little form there. Make sure you put a return address, and we'll send you out some free swag. Last week, Mike got some, uh, we got, uh, what was it, the, the drink coasters? With drink your, coasters. Yeah, with your logos and everything on it. Yes. Big hit or not a big hit? Have you handed It's a big hit. It's <laughs> a huge hit. It's always a huge hit. <laughs> anything with your logo on it and for your friends and yeah. stuff. Uh, and our listeners, just to say thank you. Don't forget, for every podcast we do, we have a matching video. Uh, you can see me waving a mic. Mike waving to me. Hi. You look good over there. And uh, this is a great time, if you're not watching this already, is uh, we're going to talk about talking terminology section, which is we're going to talk about what is meant by sensitive and insensitive structures of a hoof, and we have some pictures to go along with it. So let me switch cameras here to camera six. So, Mike, tell us what we're looking at here. That is the outer wall of a hoof capsule that has been trimmed. There's apron laying on the floor beside it <laughs> is that your apron it's not pink so no it's not but i've had some different color aprons in past history it's been a while the outer part of the hoof capsule that's the insensitive structure that's like your fingernail a similar type of uh, material mm -hmm. the way it grows out is a little different than the fingernail what grows out across the sole is probably more like the way your fingernail is constructed the outer wall is more in tubules 
depending on where they are, how compressed they are, and they're not necessarily round, but they always talked about a stack of straws held together, and that was the horn tubules. Now, the picture for the logo last week, we were talking about the, let the fold unfold, and the picture that I had for the thumbnail were baby hoof feet. It looked like... They had the fuzz on the bottom. Had the, it looked like... Furry feet. It, well, to me, it looked like lobster. Like, if you pull, like, lobster out of the shell, yeah. that, that, that real flaky meat, yeah. <clears throat> but it looked, I mean, it looks so weird, it, and like you, you were talking about the hose or the, the pack of straws, that is such a weird look to see. What was on the bottom of that baby's foot is to protect the inside of mom. Oh, okay, and yeah. And they shed that off fairly quickly after they're born. The defini- that would be an insensitive structure. Okay, so the definition of an insensitive structure is a hoof that have neither a blood nor a nerve supply, part of which is visible to us when we look at a hoof. Right. And then the sensitive structure, structure of a hoof that has both blood supply and nerve supply. Right, the lamina <laughs> and all the sensitive structures between the lamina. The lamina connects between the outer hoof and the coffin bone itself. If you look at the bottom of the foot, the frog, the sole, and the bottom part of the wall, that is all insensitive structures. When you get inside the hoof, which would be coming up on the next slide, that shows the inside of the lamina. That shows that the life part of the coronary band. And you also have a, a life sulcorium underneath, and you have the sensitive part of the frog that is under underneath the foot, and you have to have blood supply to the sulcorium so that the hoof can grow salt. So this picture that we're looking at here, is this is strictly for demonstration purposes? Strictly for demonstration purposes. Okay. That was used in a Rude and Riddle lecture the other week at NC State. But I'm looking at this picture, and I'm thinking, could this ever happen to a horse in real life where all this is ripped off? It, I mean, total extreme circumstances. It, I mean, it, it's the equivalent of someone ripping your fingernails off like you see in the movies, like the spy movies. Tell us what we want to know, and they rip your fingernails off. That's essentially what this picture I looks like. I have had the hoof wall ripped off down to sensitive material. Oh, God. Normally, no, but and, and probably not to that degree, but... Can you pull it back to hit sensitive? Yes, you can. Okay, so this is number eight here in the picture, eight and nine. This is the insensitive. That would be insensitive. And then number two and number four in this picture would Would be be sensitive. Okay. And if you see the kind of yellowish part right there, that would be what we would consider the white line coming out the bottom, which is not actually white, but that's where you get that effect where the insensitive and the sensitive lock together. It's like that Velcro effect growing down, and we see it coming out the bottom of the hook. Does that right there, that line right there have any sensitivity or is it just kind of like okay you know i don't want to get into that well when you when you get into that point where you have got the hoof horn and it laces in and it's probably more like feathers and there is an interlocking between the insensitive and the sensitive and it goes together you get the fingers and then you got your little feathering off the side an average foot you got about three square feet at least of connective tissue there and i might have my numbers wrong but there's a a lot of connective surface there within a small area because of the interlocking back and forth and then within those channels there's interlacing between there so there's a huge amount of connective surface actually connecting in a live healthy hoof when you get into laminitis you start losing some of that connection if you don't know what you're looking for or if you don't understand the terminology what are we actually looking for the sensitive is the outer hoof horn. Okay. The insensitive is the live tissue underneath. All right. You don't want to drive a nail into those, even though that would that would be bad. No, you don't want to cut into it. You don't want to drive nails into it. So the main thing, being a farrier, you need to know where to start and where to stop. Right. I guess is the main thing. Why would we need to know about insensitive and sensitive material? Where to start, where to stop, where to attach, where to not attach. Now, when you start getting into issues with a horse's, foof, a horse's hoof, I want to say foot, 
foot and hoof at the same time. When you start getting into that sensitive material, are you now starting to rely more on your veterinarians and x-rays? Right. Okay, before you start diving into their No, if we're going into sensitive material, you know, dealing with canker, dealing with keratomas, dealing with punctures and abscess, sometimes we do go into sensitive material, clean it up a foot. But that's going to be a case where I'm going to be working at the vet clinic with the vets. You know, if we've got to open up a foot to take care of a damaged or infected area, sometimes we have to. But it's not something that you do without everybody being together for the crew to get the job done. You need your backup support. When the one video clinic we did here on Equine Dynamics where you were taking the canker out. Right. And you were working side by side with a... There were there was one of the vet clinics involved in that deal. And if you want to see that video, go over to YouTube as well. I believe it's called Dealing with a Canker on a Hoof. And that's a Mike Stein uh, video clinic that he had out there. So check that out as well while you're liking and subscribing over there on YouTube. All right, guys, when we come back, uh, we got a bunch more photos to show. Uh, we're going to talk about the hoof crack composition that Mike just dealt with this past week. He says he doesn't do anything. Nothing exciting happens. This is one thing that exciting happened with him this past week. So stick around. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He was the 2017 American Eventing Championship Farrier. And don't forget, for every podcast we do, we have a matching video. You can see us here in the studio, me waving to Mike, Mike waving to me. And make sure you like and follow him over on Facebook as well. The way you do is search Equine Dynamics Mike Stein. And, Mike, you were posting a bunch of videos up there, a lot of clinics and stuff that you've seen and done in the past. And I saw that the uh, you had an interview with a gentleman from Florida who is part of the IAPF. Yes, we did. That and, was our friend James Gilchrist. And the the title of the video is basically why it's it's so important to have furthering education. It is very important to have furthering education. You should be educating yourself throughout your career because we're always coming up with new material. If you're not moving forward, you're going backwards. And it's hard for a horse to go backwards. That's right. And as professionals, none of us should be going backwards. All right. So speaking of going backwards or going forward, actually, uh, Mike, you were dealing with this uh, scenario, and I'm going to switch the camera six again so everyone can see it in real time as we're talking about it at the beginning of the show you said nothing really exciting happens you know you, you shoe a couple horses everyone's pretty much good but it's that one you're waiting around the corner for something to happen well you took these pictures this happened around the corner the other day so tell me what we're looking at here this horse from the story that came with it that had blown an abscess and they were worried about this becoming permanent damage in the hoof capsule if you look at the coronary band where it has kind of collapsed down right over the crack kind of makes you wonder there a bit. That looks like if I ever had like a hangnail or something right. on the side of my thumb, I don't want to touch it or pull it because it's sensitive. It does kind of look that way now, doesn't it? It does. This horse shipped in from up north, came down for winter training. I ran over the clinches a little bit. You can see where there's some fresh marks where I knocked clinches loose before I took the pictures. The horse came in, the farrier up north, run a straight bar, shoe on the horse to help protect the back of the foot and provide a little bit extra stability you know, over a regular horseshoe. Now I see all this oozy stuff in here. What the, is this? 
what I'm looking at. The stuff <laughs> is not coming out of the hoof. They had been treating the hoof with Uzi stuff. <laughs> is that a name brand product? <laughs> Uzi stuff. I think what they were using there was like a triple antibiotic, like you would use, get at the, uh, CVS or something. CVS or own the area because they were worried about any kind of infection starting or anything, anything along those lines. And you'll see after we start cleaning the foot up a little bit, taking the shoe off, you're going to start seeing a different picture once you, there you go. But the shoe's been removed and just following the tracks down to see what is under there. You're unloading it, you know, trimming the foot, you see what's happening in the coordinator band compared to where they were and just tracing out everything as far as any kind of tracks in the hoof. So at that point, this is not going all the way through the hoof wall. So has all this been removed or is this being Uh, filled? I I just, I just removed it. Okay. Carving down, following any of the tracks. So we're not all the way through the hoof wall. We're not into sensitive material. And if you look at the shape of the coordinator band over where we were earlier, what's underneath does not look that bad. Trim the foot, pressure's off of it, and that dip that was forming in the coordinator band has released what he had done as far as stabilizing the foot in front of me helped protect that area from going ahead and splitting on up. Or actually, at that point, what we're looking at the coordinated band is probably going to be just fine. Now, where's the big crack that I that we saw in the first picture? It's on the floor. Oh, you've taken it off completely? No, I, I cleaned that out with I dressed off with the rasp. Oh, okay. Bit, and I followed down any of the crack points with my hoof knife. Okay. And found clean material underneath and took it down to clean, healthy material underneath. But if you see, we're not going all the way into sensitive into sensitive structure. I can. See it now. It's kind of like you kind of like a spooned it out or right. something. Gotcha. Right. That's as far as the crack went, and as far as anything rotten in there, or any any kind of fungus being trapped in there. Well, we've removed it where there's not going to be anything along those lines, and that is on the the lateral side of the foot, meaning to the outside, so we don't have to worry about a horse stepping on exposed metal or anything like that so much. This is a nice shot of, of where you've cleaned it out. You can right. see that the, the crack really didn't go all the way through, but it was just enough to make it a little agitated. Yeah, most of the time I do not reset other people's horseshoes. You know, that was reasonable enough for what was going on there. If you look behind the clip, I've got the hoof wall up off the shoe a little bit. That way, we're not creating any stress on the area. Do you have a pad or anything underneath no, there? there's no pad. Okay. There's no pad. But it can flex down into the shoe, gives it a little bit of moving room. We don't want to stress the area. But it will settle out onto the shoe, and still we're, we're using that bar across the back to stabilize, help stabilize the back of the foot. So this is a straight bar across the back? Well, uh, straight across the back of the heel of the foot. Okay. Yeah, I don't have any pictures of that. What was this horse's job? His job is three-day eventing. All right. And, oh, here's a great shot of the back of the hoof right. and where you've dug it out and you've put a new shoe on it actually i i didn't have any problem with what he had done i'm coming in behind another farrier is it the exact way that i would have managed the situation not necessarily but it was very reasonable for what had been done and it was getting the job done you know it's a horse that's going to be in my care for a few months and to go back home why go get crazy about building stuff we're probably not going to use past maybe one more shoeing on this horse. Let's say I'm the farrier on the, on the beginning, the start end of this horse. Right. Hey, my horse is getting ready to from Michigan to Florida. Can you do something, put something on this horse to where he can ride down the Florida comfortably enough? Mm-hmm. And then once he gets to Florida, I don't want to say it's, it's in your hands. Maybe, you know, call the farrier or whoever. Hey, th- this is what I did. This is where we're at. You take it from there. Right. Now you're dealing with the horse and trying to get the horse back up to show level. This horse never went out of work. Okay. Except for 
for what he was painful from the abscess. But by the time he came down here, he had been in work. And I think this guy came from Minnesota. Minnesota. Through the trainer that I'm working for, communicating back to the other farrier and everything else. And I had me look at the foot before we ever touched it. Yes, if it felt like we needed to communicate direct with the other farrier, we would have. And there's plenty of times that I do communicate with farriers when I've got horses that are coming out of other parts of the country and I'm coming in the middle of stuff. Here's how he arrived at your at the barn you were working at. Right. So here's how he arrived. And to me, this crack right here looks like it's deep. I mean, that looks like a deep gash in there. I mean, it's, it's real shady. There's hardly any light getting in there. And then you're telling me that you got down to this. Right. And then this is a better picture of it. So the, the crack wasn't as bad. You were, no, it took kind of kind of clean that corner out and we're going to let everything grow down i so, chose not to do acrylics or anything in there because i didn't think it was necessary for where it was and just let the foot be a foot and let it breathe so he's going to be okay he sure. can work on this foot he's working right now oh okay so he's he good. probably went to work this morning <laughs> well he's an early riser then yeah well they, they get working early all right guys stick around when we come back we're going to talk about the conditioning of the si joint and why is it important in the horse community stick around you'll see equine dynamics with mike stein he'll be right back Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. If you'd like Mike to perform a clinic out at your location, feel free to email him at any time at equinedynamics.com. He'll come out to your location or event, and uh, you can schedule him, and he will pencil you in as quickly as he possibly can. And over to my far-hand side is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Travis? I'm doing all right. So now we're going to talk about why the conditioning of the SI joint area is so important in a horse. And for this, we also have pictures involved, so make sure you go over to our YouTube channel, or if you're listening to the audio portion go over to youtube and like and subscribe and you can watch these videos as we're talking about them and we have pictures to go along with them kind of like a uh, how-to clinic right here on the air so what are we looking at here mike let me switch to camera six there we go so what are we looking at that is the hindquarters of a horse the si joint the sacrum and the lumbar and then the si joint is between the is that where they join right that's where they join okay. right there where you're talking about it shows a hunter's bump when you when you've stretched everything out of shape there stretch the ligaments and that not in a normal position anymore you get what they call a hunter's bump at the top of the rump so what we're looking at here is not an ideal look for a horse no and also there are horses where you'll get a, that lower back arched up will get a kind of a strange arch in it that's not exactly desirable whether that, that you get that little hump back there in looking at young horses and when we start asking them for a collection and or whatever job, kind of been brought to my attention that your SI develops kind of like anything else in a horse as far as it being matured in that body and formed where everything developed where it's supposed to be as an adult. It, depending on the breed, it's going to be somewhere between five and seven years of age. So many horses are pushed to do elevated jobs at a young age and they're not strong enough there and there are injuries that occur when they're younger okay so back to the si joint here okay developing a horse 
you know, it, it comes back to that whole thing, injuring horses, keeping them sound for a lifetime. Horses should be retired because of old age. Not in soundness, correct? That's our mantra. That's our mantra. What we want to do is start conditioning the horse preparing the horse, A, before it ever accepts weight, before we go to the elevated maneuvers, before we do anything, getting them really strong enough to execute what is being asked of them. You don't get them there. If you want, I want a horse in full collection. You don't get them built to do that by going, we're going to do full collection, putting your road miles in, using your terrain, long and low work. When horses are in rehab, we do a lot in hand to build the backs up. We ask them to carry us as a rider, and it always goes back to you look at the saddle fit and everything else. Anything that drives the back down is going to affect them in that SI area. You've got to be able to lift the back up. And saddle fit, uh, rider positioning, how balanced the rider is, all of it plays into this. Horses, when they're older, we're constantly fighting with that low palmer angle in the back end. If a horse is having problems in the SI, you will probably always be chasing low palmer angles in the back end. The more you can get them up in a better position, sometimes even higher than what might be the considered optimal position to help unload pressure in that SI joint because they get painful there. They push the pelvis out behind themselves, straightens the bone column, drives the palmer angle down low. Problem is, is once that palmer angle gets down low, that holds the hind leg in that straight position, the pelvis foot push behind it. And think about, you know, horses coming through, they hit the ground, it snaps the leg straight because of the drop. Mike's doing his hand signals here, so if you're watching the video. <laughs> and then that pops the pelvis up. And knocking the microphone and around. knocking the microphone around, <laughs> and it nails them right in the lower back. So it's kind of a vicious circle that farrier's not getting the job done. Well, we're chasing that, and some of it has to do with the development of the young horse. And that's part of the reason with your lifetime investment is over there, we opted towards let's let the horse develop a little longer before we do anything. And we're taking other avenues to help develop strength in the back end. Sure, I can take a young horse. I can put metal on the back end, put big support on them, and we can get them up under there. Is that what we really want to do for long term of the horse? So what are we looking at here on this picture, the side picture of this horse? If you look at this horse, this a lot of people say this is not a bad horse. In fact, I know this horse. But you look at where he's heavy and where he's light. As far as the size and the mass and how big he is in the neck and all that sort of thing. He looks huge here up front and then like right around his rib cage here, he gets really, really small. Right. Now why is that? We want a horse really working off the back end. He's small on the back end. He's big on the shoulders. He's not in hard work right now, but look at in, in front of the scapula for the forward. You'll see them start to brace. And you'll start getting some muscle knotting, which you can see a little bit of that. Now, he's got a split mane right here. Is that, it does. Is that part of what's going on here? It's possible, yes. Gives us somewhere to look. And the old wise tale is you take, take a string, put it at the base of the mane, flip it back. That's where the problem is. What's going on with this guy, he's not shod. At this point, he doesn't look to be in huge work. On that hind end, if you look at that coronary band, if you draw a line following the coronary band forward, where does it aim if you draw a straight line? That's one thing we want to look at as a farrier real fast to see what's going on. I want a horse where that line's aimed more at the back of the knees than up under the elbow. If it's up aimed up in the belly, we probably got a problem. That's telling us something right there from the farrier's point of view. Other thing is you look into the stifle joint, and you watch them as they move in the stifle joint and look at the, the muscling above the stifle joint. Is that a strong area or a weak area? Stifle joint's right there, but look at look at his quadriceps above. He's a little bit hollow there. So we know just from that right off, he could have more flexion in that back end because if you're flexing hard, you build quadriceps. Now, is this horse clipped? Is that why he's got he, the... He has got a, he has got a clip on Okay. It. 
a, a real quick view of a horse, that's kind of where I'm thinking. And then you look at how he ties in to the hindquarters, how round he is, how muscular he is. Now, this is the back end, which you never want to be behind a horse. <laughs> you never if want to. you're far enough back. <laughs> yeah. You must be far enough back. And he's not standing dead square. You know, you want to see how well the pelvis is filled up, or, you know, he's filled up up high in the rump. So, hold on. Let me, let me see, just because of, of working with you on the show. Right. Now, he's leaning, in my opinion, to his right a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Am I looking he at He is, but he's not standing squared up either. Okay. But if you look at the definition in the muscling, you've got more muscling definition lower than up on the top of up, up on the top of the hindquarters. Yeah, he's got his his thigh muscles, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, are huge. They look like mine, but the top right. he's got like a frog butt up there. Right. For that top part to be full, he's got to be flexing and driving. If he's pulling with his hind leg a little straighter than it should be, you get the lower development in the lower part of the horse. Instead of being up on top of the rump, you see it down in your hamstrings. Now, this is our good friend, Trisha Dangle. Our good friend, Trisha Dangle. And she is riding a gray horse in a show. Yes. She looks very good. Right. So why are we looking at this horse here? This is fancy. Is that the name of the horse or the style or, or just you're just saying it this is a fancy horse? She's a fancy horse. Okay. Fancy fancy was her name. Okay. Trish is famous for finding things that need to be rehabbed. You know, horses out of work, horses having some back problems. There's a year and a half of some specialty stuff that I'm doing. Slow reconditioning. This horse is a little uneven up top. Now, when you say uneven, based on the picture that we had, is that the hunter's bump that I'm looking at right there? A little bit, yes. You know, she was offsetting the shoulders. Of course, she was out of shape at this point. The mare's in pretty good shape. She's up, I forget which line, but she is actually, you don't look at her forehead, see the classic Arab forehead, but I think she's more of a Russian bred. Okay. With her in her side frame, she's motoring right along. She looks good. All four feet are on the ground, well, except for that one's on the right. ground at the same time. The front one's a little high. Right. You look at that cannon bone and pay attention to the forearm and the timing there between the cannon bone on the hind and the forearm on the front. Could we have a little more engagement back there? Yeah, we could always have a little more engagement. Yep. From a horse that was she won't show again to there, there there's a couple of years of work there. And just there was to get a lot to- of body work and there was a lot of playing with mechanics on the shoeing and reconditioning and everything else and, and uh just to get her to this point right, right here where she could show. I believe Lisa Hinkle had worked on this horse as long as it was doing body work. More, probably saw the horse more than I did. Mm-hmm. Plus, what would the everything else that was being done from the chiropractor to to whatever along the lines, and then the mileage and mileage and mileage was put on her out back of the farm because there was a lot of just putting in long, slow mileage to get her there. We didn't start off doing collection from a horse that was out of this hurts. All right, guys, stick around. When we come back, uh, we'll wrap up the show and let you get back to enjoying your horse. Stick around. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. 
Our goal is to be the number one podcast to create sounder horses from the ground up. Mike Stein is a registered journeyman farrier with an APF 1 accreditation. And don't forget, if you'd like to ask Mike Stein a question, and we can read it right here live on the air, uh, go to equinedynamics.com, fill out the little form at the top, make sure you put a return address, and we'll send you out our free swag. we got a whole bunch of stuff, some magnets, some stickers, uh, some drink coasters, keychains, buttons. we got a whole bunch of different stuff. Email Mike your question, or just if you'd like to say, hey, we like the show, make sure you like and subscribe to him on YouTube as well. And all the pictures and videos that we're discussing here on the podcast, you can see those over there as well. Make sure you like and subscribe and follow him on Facebook as well. All right, Mike, what do we learn today? What is meant by sensitive and insensitive structure of a hoof? The sensitive structure is the inner part where the blood flows, where the nerves are. The insensitive is the hoof horn, the outer structures of the hoof. Like your fingernail. Like, like I, your fingernail. I, I can poke a hole through my fingernail. As long- you, if you poke it far enough, you can find sensitive structures <laughs> and you'll start bleeding and you'll go, ow. You ever had like one of those little blood things underneath your fingernail and you take a hot needle and poke it and let that blood come out of there? You ever had that happen before? Oh, I've never had. I've never hit myself with a hammer. No. No, never. <laughs> It'd be very rare in your field of work. Right. Also, the hoof crack and the compromised hoof structure that you dealt with this past week from a horse that came from Minnesota. Well, before you go panicking, you got to find out what's there. I don't see any reason why this horse won't be just fine. There was some concern about him having permanent damage in that area. And maybe the horse farrier just shooed him so he was comfortable for the ride down to North Carolina and then... Well, that was a full shoeing cycle and probably a little late in the cycle. And, you know, I followed what he had done because he started the project. And I was coming in behind him and cleaning it up. And, you know, you always look at things and you got to learn a lot of different ways to approach situations because when you come in in the middle of things, somebody's already started the job and you just decided if it's reasonable and it, in a good enough direction and can we get the job done this way and complete it. Did you ever talk to the ferry that, that shoot the horse in Minnesota? No, I had communication with the owners. Okay. Now, my next. With their, with their groom, and primarily. My next question is when you saw that shoe job right could you tell right away what level of farrier that person was i got an idea he did a pretty good job okay on that horse and i think he was pretty happy and everybody was pretty happy with what was going on so this isn't what your kid down the road just just shooing a no. horse okay no, no no all right just want to see if, if he said he, he had done a horse or two or three okay so you could tell well, first horse the the professionalism based on the shoe the job that he did on that right. shoe okay i just wanted to see if he, he had some technical <laughs> skills and why is conditioning of the si joint area so important for a horse to have a horse last us through a long career doesn't matter what it is but it's always that whole thing about getting the back up and strong the si strong for a horse to be able to use his hindquarters and not pound himself apart so what's the best exercise to to strengthen that si joint do you want to strengthen that si joint i guess is the first question what we do we do but we can start with how we manage horses at a young age on getting a horse to be up and around and you can start with by handle, how you handle them on the end of a lead rope. You know, so it starts think, there. Just think about what we're doing with our young horses from day one when we handle them. And also, young horses need to get out and buck and run and act silly and stretch stuff out and move. You know, if you protect them from ever moving, you have a weak horse. If you have a horse that's out bouncing around, cutting a fool, chasing butterflies, 
Well, there you go. <laughs> you want a horse to be athletic, right? All right, guys. And if you'd like Mike Stein to come out and perform a clinic at your event or your location, make sure you email Mike Stein over at equinedynamics.com. I'll fill out that little form. Mike will schedule you as quickly as he can. On that note, guys, on behalf of Mike Stein over there, have a good rest of your day. My name is Travis Holmes saying see you next week. All of the doggies are in the corral. All of your work is done. Just close your eyes.